It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Carson Ray. Hey, everyone. It is a great day to talk about some X-Wing. And John McDermott. Hello, everybody. And we are celebrating kind of a benchmark in our podcast here. This is episode uh, 250. I stopped. I think it was around episode 200. I stopped saying the episode number at the start. But I feel like when we hit these like meaningful benchmarks, I'll, I feel like it's worth calling out, right? This represents like five years of Radio TCX podcasting. What a long five years it's been for me. I don't know about you guys, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you're holding up pretty well for five years, John. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it was good to have you there through the developmental f- phases of the podcast where, you know, we had to figure out what our voice was and our, our content style. And I feel like you were really key in us developing that. Yeah, I mean, John doesn't talk too much now, but you should have really uh, heard him at the beginning. Oh, he would not shut up. We could not stop him. I was one of the silent Patreon producers of the show. <laughs> just It was the secret tier on Patreon. We had to just leave him on mute because um, he just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> 50% of the time, I just screamed. There was no words. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Carson. I had to look this up because I couldn't remember. What is the um, what is the official first episode, numerically, that John appeared on as a co-host of Radio TCX? Because he was a guest for a number of times. But I want to say it's... I have no idea, but I'm going to take a guess and say, like, 112. That's speaking to me. Oh, man. that's uh, You went back, like, a, a year further than when John joined. John that's pretty joined... close. To what you said he would say, Tim. I yeah, I thought it would be I thought it would be wildly <laughs> inaccurate by about a year. Um, so it was actually 165 because we had him on 164, I believe, was our uh, recap from the Denver System Open, and then um, at that point we said, all right, we can we can have this kid on board. And then 165 was John's first official episode um, as a co-host. Yes, and now he's been on I think as many as you, Carson. <laughs> uh man i wish i could refute that (laughs) uh i still remain the only uh co-host who has appeared on every episode of the podcast though i one day would like to change that i would like to miss out on one but i'm just too important uh today though we're going to be celebrating a little bit about five years of podcasting here we're going to do that, though, by looking at some questions. We had some listeners submit some questions that we're going to answer on the show. And then we have some interesting questions for each other. Um, so I think there'll actually be some fun uh, conversation here, both about the podcast and, of course, X-Wing in general, because we can't we can't not have actual content on our show. Yeah, we'd have, we've had content for 249 episodes. Hate, hate to break that streak now. So here we go. All right, so this one did come out uh, a little bit later because we wanted to make sure that we had all three of us on for episode 250 because that seemed important. Uh, But I threw out a little post there on Facebook just asking if anyone had any questions for us. And we actually got some pretty good questions from some of our listeners. So I figured we'd uh, run through these and get some of our our perspective on a, a myriad of topics. The first question is one I actually really like. This is from Peter Rose, and Peter asks, What would the hyperspace format look like if you were in charge? I'm going to assume us individually, not us collectively. I think we're going to have similar answers. So probably for me, it is, you know, dramatically limited ship choices. 
Um, but with with any ship, I think you have most of the pilots for those ships. Um, you know, the same. You need some generics and, and some some great named pilots um, for each of those ships. Uh, and making sure that you give each faction a little bit of range in ship choices. You know, have some light fighters, some heavy fighters, some interceptors, some large base ships, some bombers. You know, things like that. You give them, you know, enough options to have that full range of kind of list archetypes um, without giving like kind of every detail, you know, that you might possibly want. And then making sure you have, you know, at least um, some comparable builds within each of those, um, you know, name pilots that you are including. Right. You don't want to you don't want to wait a faction like that. Only certain factions have access to certain archetypes. Um, for me, part of like the disappointment in what hyperspace has become is because the promise of hyperspace early on was so interesting where it would be the much more limited format. It would be kind of the second edition format where it would really focus in on content that's only been re-released. Um, which is good from an accessibility standpoint where players coming into the game don't have to have conversion kits. And then like it pretty quickly steered away from that where they were adding ships that people could not purchase outside and using pilots that they couldn't use. So at this point, I would be much more interested if hyperspace um, season to season was more theme focused, where for each faction, they kind of picked a theme of abilities or um, pilot types and emphasized those as the available choices. Where, like, you could focus on, okay, rebel token passing for rebels, and then over on the Imperial side, you can focus on, you know, interesting aces and initiatives four and five. Like, have it more, like, celebrate a particular theme in each faction and then rotate those out from season Yeah, to season. I love that. Like, really look at, you know, some, like, kind of in-depth, like, list builds and kind of give you all the options within that specific kind of archetype um, and not many other branches kind of for each faction. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I like, like that. I would be excited to dive into that. John, what about you? What do you want to see out of hyperspace? Yeah, so I was kind of with Tim there. Um, it, you know, it was kind of sold as like the second edition format. Part of the problem for me was that there just ended up not being a lot of consistency with how it was actually used. So they had originally kind of positioned that certain events would be extended and certain events would be hyperspace and it just got to a point where it felt kind of blurry um because like you'd be qualifying for worlds in an event where you could potentially be flying something that you could or could not even fly at worlds and personally i didn't like that too much so like hyperspace for me would just be more consistent um and i think it would be cool to see that consistency play out in a way where you could have a hyperspace event and maybe have like a tiered like format almost so like in my head what i'm looking at is like you could have like an aces high type thing and then like a standard x-wing type game and then even like an epic style type game and all of it kind of follow the same general formatting um and rules and ship selection you know all within kind of that that hyperspace name i think that'd be kind of interesting I think that's one thing that could really be expanded in X-Wing for, I know a lot of other competitive games have multiple formats and they like have impact for X-Wing. We really have only whatever the mishmash of extended and hyperspace is to generate our world champion. It would be cool if like we had a world champion in X category and a world champion in Y category, you know, like where we could have these formats be distinct and separate and have maybe even a bigger worlds event, right? 
which is already a pretty big event. But so many of the other formats are just relegated to side events, which are fine. Um, but I'd like to see them all represented in organized play. I, I think with worlds, I kind of want that to be like a, I want one world champion, but I think uh, having multiple events is, is still cool. And, but there's also the potential, right? Like the, you know, course on invitational, or we could have team events, right? Where those use a different format than the standard X-Wing play. So we see different types of games. I would love to see some organized uh, team events uh, officially from AMG here moving forward. I think that would be really cool. And I think the community would be all on board with that. All right. So our next question is from a couple of questions from Scott Crossfield. The first one here is, how do you stave off the brain drain at big events? And my answer to this is, you, you don't really stave it off. You just kind of cope with it. Um, this is one I think about a lot. And, and I'm, I'm glad Scott asked it because I think it is an important question, right? Those... Uh, those X-Wing tournaments are long, you know, whether it's, it's in person or remote, um, that, that fatigue hits and it's, it's a real hindrance. Um, and, and I think one of the things that does give me edge, I feel like the longer the event goes, the better I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. it's those first few rounds that I'm, I'm afraid of. That's where I, I struggle to get, get my footing, um, and then build up that momentum. And part of that I think is, um just kind of experience i think the more you do it the more you get used to it um like i did long tournaments you know all through high school with speech and debate um and so that's like those all day mental events like that's something i'm used to mm-hmm. uh, and part of it's just taking care of yourself right like hydrating getting snacks um taking food little, is huge mini breaks in between rounds right i think that's really important it is weird, like those little practical details. I'd always bring snacks at every event, so I'd have granola bars, and you know, you drink lots of water because that is actually when you're focused on your games, it's really easy to get distracted from those things and just like not eat for several hours because you're so focused on your whatever you know three games of X-wing it takes or two you play in that amount of time. Um, so I think those little details play a big part in it. I think just repetition and practice too, going into an event, because even if you're a reasonably competent X-wing player. Um, if you haven't practiced a lot, you need to be able to, regardless of your mental state, be able to just kind of manage the basic functions of what your list does and how your opponents are playing. Where like your toughest games are going to be your later games, and you won't ha- you won't be fully there for those, you know, because you've already been playing for seven hours. So the more familiar you are with what you're supposed to be doing, um, the more natural it's going to feel to do that, even eight or nine hours into the day. I'm definitely with Carson, though. I feel like personally i tend to do better as the day goes on primarily because i'm not a morning person so those first couple games are usually pretty hard and then as you get into the later afternoon is when my brain really starts to kick it into gear but but food for me is huge like you said tim like having granola bars having crackers drinking water like that can make a world of difference and a lot of those convention spaces and larger event spaces like the ac is kicking so it can get dry in there um, and you know, if, if you're a ple- pleasant opponent, then, you know, maybe you're talking to your person as you're playing through the game or you're talking to other people between games and that can, uh, wear your throat out pretty quick. So it's not the brain, but, uh, you know, you get tired as you don't feel good. So feel good and your brain will feel good. That's kind of a funny aside too. If anyone ever like plays me at a tournament and I'm not talking, that's just my norm uh, when I play games and I'm focused where my brain is on the table while we're playing. It has nothing to do. It's not a reflection of what I think of my opponent. I'm just 100% fixated on what's happening. 
that's interesting because I think for me it's it's the in between rounds that I'm not very talkative. I feel like during game, like I, I'm fairly talkative, and then you try to talk to me in between rounds. That's like I've just turned my brain off for like <laughs> those 15 minutes before they're gonna have the next Too posting. engaged. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and so then it's like you know flip that switch off. Uh, I'm just recharging my batteries for a second there, uh, and, and then I'm gonna be ready for that next round. Um, I think another aspect of this is you know, trying to eliminate as, as much of that, the mental burden as you can through familiarity with your list, um, kind of having a repetitive play style plan, you know, where like my first few opening turns, like these are the things I'm generally going to be doing it, so that it, you don't have to make as many decisions. And then when you can get to that, that crux of the game, those important moments, your, your brain is ready for that. Yeah, I usually have like most of my playstyle. Typically, I have a fixed number of openings that I use, which is usually not a problem to be that routine because you usually don't play it the same opponent more than once. So being repetitive in a given event isn't usually going to be a, a huge deal, I've found. Obviously, high level players could exploit that if they know they're going to play me. But, um, you know, if I make it that far where that matters, then I, I feel like I've had a pretty good day. And yeah, I think I've lost more games trying to like I would think those high level players who I have seen them play um, and think they're going to, Oh, they're going to switch it up and do something different. And um, I think just being consistent is generally a better, better play. Um, I think that always kind of works out better. Scott also asked, uh, he wants to know what our best win or loss was and no battle reports here. So just give us the, uh, the briefest summary. Okay, anytime I lose to Doug Howe, it's the best. Um, they're always great games and also tragic every time. Uh, for me, I, I look back at this, uh, the last Worlds we had, the 2019 Worlds, and I can't I can't remember my opponent's name, and unfortunately I don't think the, uh, it was a streamed game where I was flying against a um, Sinker Swarm, Republic Sinker Swarm with my Kylo Ren First Order nonsense. And um, I lost the game, but like I feel like it was one of the games I played technically really well and um it was a fun game too so like interesting right down to the final final shots there but like there certain games even when i lose i feel like i was really proud of what i did you know like i feel like okay i made a lot of correct decisions obviously there's always mistakes but i feel like even having lost it i would not feel bad people watching that game as representative of how i play x-wing john's like i'm trying to think of a time i actually lost <laughs> come on i lose all the time um i think one of the like one of my favorite winnings was actually the Denver System Open. I played Ken Cho to get into the top eight, and you guys were there. I was super nervous the night before, but I, I was like crawling on the table trying to get like good vantage points, and my hands were shaky the whole time. And I remember doing a decloak with my Phantom, and Ken just looks at me. He's like, "Well, I concede," and it was just a good game. Like he was a good guy, good sport, um, and he's been a good pal since. Yeah, uh, shout out, of course, to Ken's business. District Foundry uh, makes some of the best token trays that you'll see out there for X-Wing. So that, and that is not a sponsored endorsement there. That is just our free will. We love his stuff. And he's a great guy. All right, so this next question seems a little bit targeted, but this is from Adam Kempers. It, uh, it is, what was the North American champ's only loss at Gen Con, and why does he love Proxmine bombardment drones? I feel like this one is targeted at you, Carson. There's just something about it. <laughs> Who is he talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, so Adam Adam was my one and only loss at, at that Gen Con, the last Gen Con, the only Gen Con. Um, 
It's the final Gen Con. Hate that. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> I'm putting it in now. And, you know, like this lo- this loss was tough so much so that I decided I didn't want to lose any more that weekend. I couldn't <laughs> handle it. I couldn't handle another loss uh, after that that game with Adam. So he inspired you think... to win. You're, so you're attributing your victory. You becoming... That, that, that taste of defeat was, was so bitter. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't stomach anymore. Um, Adam is the reason you became the Phil Collins of Fort Collins. <laughs> He is the sure. one, the tiger shark uh, of Estes Park. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Um, uh, although it's not, it's not the prox mines that really was was frustrating. It was this general grievous. This was like the first time I really um, got to appreciate just how survivable uh, th- that that Lab can be uh, with General Grievous's just defensive mods. Just like throwing all your effort into this ship, like it's okay when separatists you expect high offense, right? Like yeah. that's that's fine. Like that's what that's what they're good at. It's their survivability that, like, is I find infuriating when I'm playing against them. Like it's just they just don't die, and they're not worth anything either. So it's like okay, I spent so much effort and like didn't get any points for that, and and that's the part that I I find really frustrating. And then I've complained about separatists for like I don't know a year or three since then. Um, <laughs> and, and so all that all that separatism growing, you can really have Adam to thank for that. Um, that that was really the origin of my my dislike for the separatists is General Grievous just refusing to die despite how many turns I shot at him. And I will say, you know, in spite of Adam's best efforts, you have remained the North American champion for almost two years now. So undefeated, <laughs> undefeated, <laughs> no contest. There's, there's maybe an argument to say that COVID won last year, but <laughs> kind of beat us all. Uh, so next up, we have Zach S. who asks, "What are some Star Wars ships you'd love to see released in the future?" Razor Crest, Ra- of course. I Just mean, that kidding. seems like the yeah, obvious right. answer, right? We can't do that one. We we got that announcement, and, and so that's great. Like that's on the way. Otherwise, that would be like the only thing we'd be talking about. <laughs> Start us off, Tim. What do you think? Oh, what do? Uh, so my pick is the Star Speeder, either the Star Speeder one thousand or the Star Speeder two thousand. Which, uh, for those who are not uh, Disney World fans, um, that is the vehicle you ride in on the Star Tours ride. Um, they updated it about. Oh man, I actually I was there the weekend. They did the update and reopened Star Tours with the newest version. I actually got to see George Lucas. He came out to the event. So I've seen George Lucas in person from a few hundred feet away, which I feel like is a little bit of nerd cred at least. Um, but th- this ship is great. I loved both iterations of that ride. Fond memories of going on that. And they've actually featured um, one of the characters from the original version of the ride. RX-24 was featured on a, on an episode of Rebels, I think in season, season one. Um voiced by Pee Wee Herman actor Paul Rubens. So I although the vehicle, as far as I know, has not appeared officially in any like in canon Star Wars content, I feel like it would be a fine uh, a fine addition to the X Wing game. This is good because I feel like the listeners were really unclear on like who the biggest nerd was on the show. <laughs> and then with this obscure reference you just like without any doubt just took that crown. <laughs> That's, I mean, I am the one who produces the podcast, so I feel like I'm already the biggest nerd. I take the time to do this every day. Carson, what are your picks? All right, let me give you the bro answers. It's absolutely the snow speeder. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, Carson, the snow speeder wouldn't work um, outside of atmosphere because... Listen, we have those, um, those imperial uh, ones. The strikers. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we have those uh, Imperial ones, the TIE Strikers, 
And, you know, Snow Speeder is kind of the same thing, right? It's it's that atmospheric ship. And it's just like one of the coolest scenes in Star Wars. And um, what is that? That Battlefront game? You can have Snow Speeders versus like TIE Fighters, right? Yep, Carson. Battlefront was a Star Wars game. I think Carson just cemented himself as the least nerdy one on the show. That he's, he's our X-Wing game. bro. You know, there's only been like four Battlefront games, Carson. I believe so. Carson also technically the ship is the T-47 airspeeder, and the ones featured in the Empire Strikes Back were modified, so normally it was a cargo-moving vehicle. They put guns on it. Not a big deal. John, um, okay. what's your Wait, pick? I have another Rex. one. Ugh, two? You get two? I picked one. Okay. Yours had like a million letters and numbers in it, though. Um, and I did have to ask John the name on this one. So it's it's that um, I'll give you the the bro answer. It's that one ship that Anakin and Ahsoka ride around in in, in Clone Wars. The Twilight. Um, that's like kind of their janky little Falcon thingy. Yeah. Their fat the, the Twilight thing. Yeah. yeah the the B wing that's you can chill in. <laughs> I think that's a cool ship. I also think. Um, it would bring like a lot to that Republic faction. Having a, another cool crew carrier. Um, do you guys think it would be a medium or large base ship? Large for sure. It's awesome. pretty big. Don't they fit That's what the Republic needs. Yeah. We need some large base ships. And, and I think it would be just like a kind of a forward arc firing ship. I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, it would have a turret. Though. Oh, it would? Yeah, the, the wing had like a turret gun on it. Sweet. Probably an upgrade. John, what are your picks? Um, so Do I only get one pick? I... Well, Carson, Carson got two, apparently, so you can okay. do as many as you like. Well, I'm third, so I'm going with all three of mine. The question um, I didn't ask, what is your one Star Wars ship you want to add? Yeah, it was Tim. some. I just don't um, want this podcast to print. be an hour and a half long. Oh, you'll you'll trim it down. We'll, we'll be fine. I'll cut out Carson's answers. Um, I'm going to start with the, this is a ship I've wanted to see for a while. Um, technically, it's Domiker is the SS-54 assault ship. Um, it's called the Halo. It was in the Clone Wars in that episode where Anakin and Obi-Wan teach a bunch of farmers how to fight with some bounty hunters. I think you only see the ship for like three seconds, but it's always been pretty cool looking. Um, it's almost like a prototype Razor Crest. Cool. Um, so I think that'd be cool. Um, I also think the the Genevex class starfighter, which was the little cool like fin sail looking thing that Asajj Ventress flew in the original Clone Wars cartoon now viewable on Disney Plus for all of you that have Oh, it. the Clone Wars. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then to follow that Republic trend, I would really like to see the new class shuttle. Um, I would have to expect that we're going to see this at some point as another crew carrier option for that faction. But uh, I have always liked how it's kind of... Obviously, it's the precursor to the Lambda, but it just looks funky to me, but I like it. It's kind of modern but not modern. I don't know. Star Wars modern. It's a fun ship. I want to see that one. Yeah. So Palp needs a better ride. We need that. Um, okay. That, that Genevex, um, would that be kind of like an interceptor ship? I think so. Um, I think that would be perfect. That's like kind of what the separatists need, right? Like it'd they be have an a lot interceptor. Of the they really need that interceptor. The Nantex yeah. just isn't quite that. And I think that'd be really fun having a Saj in there. And you could have another ship with like a rotating piece. And only one pilot. Asajj is the only pilot. No other pilots. That's it. Perfect. Could we get some like generic Night Sister? No. One pilot. <laughs> All right. And it, it needs to be a convention exclusive. All right. Uh, Michael Williams asks Who wins in a fight, Donkey Kong or Bowser? So to me, I feel like this is just a roundabout 
way of asking us who would win King Kong versus Godzilla. Like just just the discount version of that question. Um, and I haven't seen that movie yet, so I don't want to weigh in because I know there's a good chance I might be wrong. Okay, but like asking it literally, I think I'm always on Team Bowser there. Okay, that's weird. I, I would go Donkey so. Kong Donkey if Kong. I take it. Yeah. Have you never played Mario Party on the GameCube, Carson? Donkey Kong beats up on Bowser every hard. time. Uh, no, I only really played Wind Waker on the GameCube. Oh, and that uh, weird uh, Star Wars tank game. Oh, that was great. The Clone oh, Wars game. Yeah. Yeah, that was a riot. Um, to, we can all get behind f- that. To be fair, though, I think like the King Kong versus Godzilla is a different argument. I think Godzilla wins that fight because like nuclear breath, bro. But Donkey Kong beats Bowser every day of the week with his hands tied behind his back. Yeah, but my counterpoint to that would be that King Kong is a big, really big monkey. Yes. I don't know. I think I I think I just always err on the side that Big Lizard is cooler than Big Monkey. Um, if we're boiling that down, I, I think I'm always on Bowser's a turtle. There. He's not a lizard. I got nothing for that. No refute there. That's a fair point. Uh, Huge thank you to everyone who sent us in a question. So now we're going to get to the um, Inside the Actor's Studio section of our show where we really get into the art of podcasting and ask each other some questions questions about being x-wing podcasters and how that's affected our lives so who wants to go first because each... we haven't talked about ourselves enough <laughs> so far i mean for how little we talk about ourselves in the last 250 episodes i feel like it's okay as long as it's relevant to what we do um, but we have a list of questions we each prepared just a couple questions here to answer um, on the podcast who wants to go first john you have like the most questions so maybe you should go first but only half my questions are real questions. I'll go. All right, let's get the first one out of the way then. All right. What's your guys' least favorite part about having a third host? Least favorite? We have a third host. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we're, since we're co-hosts, we're all technically like one third of a host. And then collectively the podcast is. Which one of us is the third host? (laughs) (laughs) So is one third of each of us bad? Who's your radio TCX main? What's your S tier, your A tier, and your F tier? Go. Oh, this is getting too real here. I will actually, I want to say the favorite part of adding a third host to the podcast was um, on those weeks where me and Carson's schedules could not align, it was nice not to have to scramble to find a uh, a guest host for the show Um, because I'd always, I do everything last minute. So that would always be like the day before I had to record, I'd be scrambling to find someone and it was usually actually just John or Paul or somebody. That's a good segue to my second question. Why is Paul your least favorite guest? Um, well, okay, so circling back to the the first one, the, the second one's easy. We'll get that in, in a second. Um, <laughs> but the, but the first one, it, I think it's it's that fear that um, I'll be replaced at some point. Uh, I, I mean, I think like. I mean, inevitably, we're all going to be replaced, right? It's one of those, right? You, 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 you raise someone up, and and then eventually they're just going to become more powerful and, and strike you down. And and of course, I think that happened in like the first time we played John. But um, <laughs> you know, it's like okay, well now now let's let's let him podcast too, and and then he'll strike me down there. John's reaction to your first game of X Wing with with him was probably just something along the lines, "Oh, that was fun. Carson's a good guy." And and your reaction, Carson, was, "My days are numbered." 
<laughs> exactly. He, <knew>. <laughs> he taught me how to keep my loved ones from dying, and he walked away knowing. Carson, to date, we've only played three times, and none of them like mattered. So, have you really only played True. three times? Yes. Oh, that's why. Whereas Tim, I feel like we get paired all the time, and it always matters. It's, it is always um, like the imp- important like one of us wins and will advance to the finals. Like that's always what's going to happen. Now to the question, why is Paul Nelson Olson our least favorite guest? I f- he sings too much. Boom. The singing, I find his genuineness, his sincerity, and his positivity to be grating. Um, it's the energy. He's got too much. There's energy. a lot of positive energy going on there, and I just can't stand that. I'm a little too nope. cynical for that. Um, the cynicism runs strong, here. and he just has this general willingness to be helpful, which I find. Um, I I don't know. It seems kind of sketchy. I don't trust someone who smiles that much. I don't. I don't know. know. It's I. Can't. He just he thinks he's God's gift to X-wing, and I'm here to tell you, Paul. You might be. That might. Be, I don't. That know. might be true. <laughs> I don't. I'm know. not sure. I don't feel qualified to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> All right, I got a question here. Yes. Okay, so you know we haven't been playing in person next week for a while. Uh, my models are collecting some dust, and I'm just kind of wondering, you know, what is that model that you're like, oh man, I really just need to put that on the table. Like, what's that that model that you know first first game back that that you're going to be using? I I have not been able to play with my Nimbus class V wing um yet and i've just been sitting on that guy and i want to run that hyperspace ring i don't care if it's gameplay relevant i don't care what format i'm playing it's going to be attached to that model because that combo is just killer to me i'd like to put a shadow caster back on the table i have my nice painted one with the shield logo on it and it's magnetized that is such a cool model too um i think for me that's that's similar um to yours tim with that that new uh, hyperspace ring, just that old uh, Ether Sprite model. It's funny to say that's an old model now because we have the the Ethers, <laughs> vintage right? classic, uh, the new and shiny Jedi fighters. But just the, yeah, that that Ether Sprite. I think that they're beautiful. All those cool paint jobs, and now we have these hyperspace rings. It's like let's get these back on the table. Ready for that? All right. So now uh, diving away a little bit from X Wing stuff, I want to know what your guys' favorite part about podcasting is. What do you enjoy most about the the craft of making a middling weekly miniatures gaming podcast? The camaraderie. I feel like we have some good laughs either on or off recording, and it's usually a pretty good part of the week. So that's my favorite part. Yeah, people don't get to share in the um, too hot for TV moments that we have in between takes. Um, but some of those I still think about often. Also, like our running Sprite joke. Like, if you listen closely enough, you'll hear it, but it's not, like, obvious. There's a, so. there's a meta-narrative <laughs> about Sprite. I think that's only funny to us. Right? <laughs> I love it. It'll never not be funny to me. <laughs> Um, listen, if you listen to past episodes, I want to know too, if you're someone who's listened to the podcast and you notice the Sprite meta narrative and the little comments that would come up from time to time, let us know. I want to know, like, when did you start noticing that? It's not subtle. It's anytime I say anything, it's crisp, crisp right? and refreshing. Or refreshing. Yeah. Those are yeah. the two. <laughs> and we're often, I mean, John is almost <laughs> always drinking a Sprite when we record. Fact. It's a good pop guys. It's real good. It is. It's it's crisp and refreshing. It's just a subtle bit of tang. Um, I guess going back to the question there, favorite part about podcasting, part of it, I think it's just helped me grow as a player a lot. You know, just taking that time. Okay, we're going to sit down, have these conversations about the game, you know, once a week. Um, 
and, you know, I get I get to sit down and talk with two experts and, and kind of think through my thoughts on the game with them. And, and so that I think has just been really helpful for me, helps me grow as a player. You know, it's just like whenever you take that time to be like deliberate in, in how you process something, it, it really helps you under understand um, all the aspects of it uh, a lot better. And so that's sort of my selfish what I've gotten out of podcasting. That is, um, and I, I'm with you there, Carson. I feel like the the talking about the game and looking at it critically has made me better at the game to the point now where, like, I think about us starting the show and, you know, us sharing our thoughts at that point five years ago. And I'm like, man, I really didn't know anything, like, in depth about X-Wing. So it was kind of uh, the audacity of me starting a podcast about something when really not being an expert in any capacity, not even to say I'm an expert now. Um, but I've learned so much. I'm a lot closer to that than I was five years ago. A lot closer. I think it's something you always just approach and never really get there. Mm -hmm. Right. It's that constant pursuit of, you know, there's the, the version of me I'm chasing after, um, is always a little bit ahead. All right. Another one I have actually, and this is one I think a lot of people would be interested in. Obviously we're on a podcast. We record a podcast. I want to know though, what are your guys's favorite um, non X-wing podcasts? So, what do you listen to when you're not listening to yourself on Radio TCX? So, I've listened to a few different ones kind of over the years. Um, some of the big ones, um, I think, definitely one that influenced me kind of starting out the show was uh, Top Level Magic, the Magic the Gathering podcast um, with, with two players, kind of just doing their meta analysis. Um, that I thought was really engaging and had, um, you know, pretty good insight and a pretty good process about approaching talking about a, a you know, a, a tabletop game, you know, in that podcast format. You know, you're not just reading stuff um, and you're not just talking about um, top level players and, and making it kind of accessible to everybody. Um, so the kind of the big takeaways from that was like, I, I listen to like a lot of different gaming podcasts and like, okay, when I'm starting out an X-Wing podcast, like what kind of podcast do I want to listen to? That's, that's kind of like always how we've approached uh, radio TCX is like trying to make the, the podcast we would want to listen to. Yeah. I can remember uh, way back in the day too, when we were starting the show and planning for what we were going to do and you'd send me samples of uh, you know, like, Oh, this is the type of podcast different uh, shows about magic and whatnot that you're like, I want to emulate this in our X-Wing content. And I remember top level being one of them way back in the day. And actually kind of on that same vein. Um, so on a different side of it, I've really enjoyed uh, the drive to work podcast. So this is also a magic, the gathering podcast. I have always been uh, since you introduced it to me, Carson, a, uh, a big, but casual fan of magic, the gathering. Um, I've actually been playing a lot of it recently with my wife and the Drive to Work podcast is great. So it's hosted by Mark Rosewater, who's been the head designer for Magic the Gathering for a crazy, you know, two-digit number of years. I'm not sure how long it is. But he just does a really low-key, kind of low-budget podcast as he drives to work each week. And he talks about um, different elements of game design. And I've, I, I like to think I'm a casual fan and student of game design. I love tabletop gaming and board gaming in all capacities. Um, and he just has some really good insights that even if you only kind of have a basic understanding of magic, there's a lot I've learned from listening to that show about how games are made, what makes them interesting or fun. Um, a lot of interesting ideas about, you know, theories on board state complexity and power creep. And there's all kinds of cool stuff you can glean, even if you only know a little bit about magic. I feel like there's a lot of content on Drive to Work that um, 
you could take away from and you know learn how games are made and how they're made well um because magic's been successful over so many years and you know we've tried to do quite a bit of um kind of game design episodes here on radio tcx you know focusing on the x-wing lens there but a lot of that kind of starts from okay we, we maybe we listen to an episode of drive to work and they was talking about a concept and then we started diving into okay how does that um apply in x-wing and and then okay well this is a great concept let's let's make an episode here right mm-hmm. absolutely yeah i mean there's a lot of what what i've learned and said on radio tcx is just ideas that i initially learned about from drive to work well and that's just you know part of that um path of being a student right you, you know you listen to some expert and then saying, okay, how can I take this and apply it to, to what I'm looking at here? John, you listen to any podcasts? I actually don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, you know, I've got a pretty short commute to work and kind of just like to listen to music myself. Um, but I, I listen to some X-Wing podcasts, but I do like actually um, Ryan Farmer's Strike Better podcast. Uh, it's about Marvel Crisis Protocol, and he does it with a couple of the guys from Australia um, and I've really liked it as someone who's enjoyed that game. I think that's a pretty good podcast to listen to and farmers, just a really good guy knows a lot about games and, uh, yeah, that's, that's my pick. Oh, I've also actually on that note too, I've enjoyed, um, uh, Ryan also does a, uh, a part-time podcast called DM better, um, where the, he talks about, um, uh, dungeon mastering and role-playing games. And I've actually enjoyed that a lot, hearing insights, because I've been doing the DM thing for a number of years now. But I never really listened too much other than, like, the uber-professional um, dungeon masters. I hadn't really heard much from, like, more everyday dungeon masters, so that's been really fun. Yeah, and we had uh, Ryan Farmer on the show um, back quite a few episodes now. Um, you know, a great guy, great podcaster. Not great at X-Wing trivia, though. <laughs> not, as, not as strong suit. It's hard when you're on the spot. Oh, he had a chance to win it all. <laughs> he was so he was close. So close. Um, I guess, uh, Tim, um, you got another podcast you listen to? I feel like you might be listening to the uh, most. You here. know, in the, the genres, I like for true crime stuff, I really enjoyed. Um, I listened to pretty much, I think I got through all of the Atlanta Monster slash Monster series of podcasts by Payne Lindsay. Um, those are just really interesting true crime podcasts. If you're like a fan of true crime at all, um, but you haven't dove into the podcasting world of it because there's just so much content. I'd really recommend checking out Atlanta Monster and all the other monster shows. I'm also I've been a fan of year for years of My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, the McElroy's original comedy advice podcast. That show has maintained quality, uh, such a good quality over the years that um, I still think about these bits. And I'm always excited when people know what I'm talking about when I quote them a bim bam bit. Uh, they're fun. I mean, you you definitely uh, turned me on to the Brothers McElroy. Uh, nice, fun podcast. Um, I mean, on on that vein, I think uh, my all time favorite podcast, uh, "Till Death Do Us Blart," um, <laughs> name that that really needs n- no explanation. You know, just a course in eternal uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop Two, um, a podcast. <laughs> it's just you know, it. I think you know, we think about this podcasting as a media, like where is, is that peak, right? The pinnacle of podcasting. And, and that's uh, for sure in till death do us blurt. We, we might as well all stop podcasting because nothing's going to be better than that. <laughs> um, and, and then maybe going a bit more on my nerdier side, um, the myths and legends podcast uh, by Jason Weiser. Uh, I think of the things I'm like, right. The biggest nerd on it's definitely uh, mythology, um, 
uh, my my cat's name is Athena. I have a bunch of um, like art stuff from like the Medusa story. That's like my favorite myth. Um, yeah, it's just it's just great, and, and so I I really enjoy that podcast. Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of an eclectic, other than I guess we both picked a magic podcast, kind of an eclectic selection of podcasts we listen to, um, many of which are different from the show, kind of show we produce. All right. Um, a question of mine. Okay, when you're getting you know, pumped up for an X-Wing tournament, uh, what's your go-to song there? Oh, this one's easy. So I actually have a uh, Spotify playlist called World's Hype, which I prepared for the last Worlds to get us pumped up. Um, just a quick, it's only got six tracks on it, so it's pretty straightforward. It starts off Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone. That's my song. I know, it's there for you. Eye of the Tiger, of course, Rocky Three, iconic song. Um, montage gets good. you ready. TNT by ACDC. Um, seems like an obvious yes. pick. You have to include so it. So good. So good. Psycho by Muse. That's actually with the newest track on the playlist. That's number four. I really do love that song. It'll get you going. Uh, track number five is Danger Zone again. So just the same version because I feel like you have to have that twice in the rotation. You know, I wasn't sure on the first one, but you, you really you won get me over sold the by the second, second one. one. <laughs> You're ready to go. And then we close it out with Testify by Rage Against the Machine. So that's what I'm listening to on my way to an X-wing event. And this is not a joke. This is a legit playlist that I have on Spotify. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with the group Galactic Empire, um, but they do metal covers of Star Wars songs. So I actually just listened to the first album of theirs that they actually released. Um, I did not I know about it. Yeah, I bought it on iTunes, um, and it's got, uh, I think their newer album's got like the sequel trilogy songs, but there's some really good ones. Obviously, like Duel of the Fates is on there. And it's just an absolute jam. Um, I mean, because the Star Wars soundtrack is so good, and I I like rock and metal music, so to hear like metal versions of those songs is really good. Obviously, uh, I really need March. to hear this Duel of the Fates. Yeah, uh, oh, that sounds amazing. It's so good. Um, and like you know, most metal music has really good like you know ramp ups and riffs, and like Duel of the Fates also has like a really good part in the song where you think it's gonna end, and then it just like gets really really good again and just the rock version of that is just like absolute like adrenaline boosting magic i think they so. say that's a, it's uh it's fire right isn't that the, yeah, what the kids say straight fire straight fire it's lit that's a banger it's lit fam slaps carson what do you listen to what gets you going is it danger zone exclusively uh it is like 90 some percent danger zone <laughs> just on repeat uh, and then I mix it up with uh, What's Up, Danger. <laughs> Great song. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Did you just start playing the song? I, I accidentally clicked on it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I had a couple more questions, but I'm just going to pick one of them. I want to know what your guys' favorite X-Wing memory is. I think this one could take a little bit of extra time, so that's why I'll just use it as my final question. Um, that's that's a hard one. It, you know, it's hard to pick one memory. For me, it's it's any time you, you have a bunch of friends gathered, uh, you know, for a big tournament. Um, I, I think one that really stands out is when we went down to Phoenix, um, rented a house. Uh, that that was a big blast. Um, kind of kind of one of the first big second edition tournaments too. So that that was really fun, um, and, and just spending you know 
the long weekend in Arizona. It was great. Yeah, that was a good trip. Just what about you, like Tim? just the energy for that trip. Um, it's hard. It's, so it's hard for me to say, like, because I've had so many positive experiences. The overwhelming majority of my X-wing careers just all been positive things. Um, weirdly, it's kind of not um an ev- like related to playing x-wing itself so in a weird kind of roundabout way the reason i met my wife is because of my involvement in x-wing and um doing an x-wing podcast which i guess the, the short version of the story is basically that um uh my my oldest sister and my wife's oldest sister have been friends for a very long time and they were catching up one day, and um, it, the conversation came up just about, okay, what are all the siblings doing? And, of course, like the only n- interesting thing I was doing was recording an X-Wing podcast every week. And when my sister brought Most that up... Most interesting man. <laughs> so, so interesting. Um, my wife's sister had brought up that, oh, yeah, my, my sister actually plays that game from time to time because uh, my wife is a nerd and comes from a long lineage of nerds. Um, and that is when they kind of got prompted to set us up. And then here we are several years later, just got married back in September. So, um, easily the best thing that has come out of, uh, my X-Wing experience far and away. Beautiful. I know it's our meat cute. That's what they call it, right? I'm not hip. John, do you have, now, can you top that with your favorite X-Wing memory? (laughs) I don't think I can top it, but uh, I mean, for me, it's definitely the Denver System Open in 2019. It was the first time I had traveled to play X-Wing. Um, I mean, we got to go out and see Carson. We stayed with him. Crashing on my couch floor. That was really fun. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, I mean, once Vic left, it was fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, traveling with uh, Tom Storm and Vic Yang and hanging out with you guys for a couple days and eating that massive pizza wherever oh, that, that was. was crazy. It was massive. It was yeah. so good. Um, that was just a great weekend, and I had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't hurt that you did well there, right? Absolutely not. And I mean, top eight. Right. Yeah, top eight. Same with, first same with Phoenix turn. for me, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last question I have here. You know, it, we've been podcasting for a long time. We've been playing X-Wing for a long time. Just kind of wanted to look back and, and think about, okay, who were you as a player when you first started playing X-Wing? you know what what was tim like at his, his first tournament you know what, what was john like when, when he first showed up at, to play some x-wing oh man uh i like to not think about those times um it's funny when you like kind of insert yourself into a community as you kind of have to do to start to meet people and get to know people i can remember i can remember specifically like the first tournament i went to at fantasy flight game center in roseville my first match was up against uh matt holland who a lot of people in the community know and he just absolutely crushed me. And I can just remember that, like, going into the event, having a set of expectations for how games are played, but having only ever played games kind of, like, locally with people who are half interested in it, you know, just board game nights and whatnot. Um, it was weird to shift to an environment where someone who had pretty routinely played the game just crushed me, no contest. I think it was probably a table, too, at that point against Double Falcons in my little 2B-Wing, 2X-Wing list. So having moved from that to where, you know, a point where I perform pretty consistently well, winning records at most tournaments I go to, that's been a fun journey. And a lot of it's about, I think, you know, humility, recognizing that you're you're not the hot stuff you thought you were, maybe. Um, 
and just like learning to love the game for what it is. So even even in the games that I have that are rough or when I just, you know, have multiple losses in a row, still being able to enjoy the games and learn from them. That is to the point now where like I don't really care how I perform at a tournament. I'm just happy to be a part of this community and have some fun. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't even necessarily know what my first like event was. It might have been like a Toys for Tots, but I remember specifically the first uh, late night that I went to. Uh, Clint Dawson used to run those on Saturday nights at FFG. Oh, those are the best. Um, and I played, I think it was six tie FOs. Um, it was right after that course that had come out. I literally had nothing else. So you were um, always an edgelord. <laughs> I was doing, because there was the one... I don't remember what name it changed to, but there was the one that could remove stress. So I was just slooping back and forth and removing stress. Um, and I ended up like doing fairly well. And I think I went home with like five bucks that night. I was like, I could, I could be good at this. And then got like wrecked at Toys for Tots. So <laughs> you had to get, you had to experience the highs and the lows to get really hooked on the game. That's right. What about you, Carson? Yeah, I remember thinking like really hard about my list for that that first tournament, and I'm trying to remember exactly what it was now, but I know Kyle Katarn was in it, and I had some amount of, of Y-Wings and B-Wings, and I think there was at least two advanced Proton Torpedoes in the list. And and I went, lost the first two games, and then, and then won the next two. Um, and I'm trying to remember like who I was, though, at that, and I think... I, I was definitely someone who like didn't really think I would get wrapped up in the competitive scene and thought, okay, you know, like I'm just going to play what I think is fun, you know, you know, build some synergies and, and not take this too seriously. And now if we're, we're looking back, okay, what has changed? Um, you know, I never thought I'd be a big tournament player. Um, and, uh, and, you know, a North American champion like, too, right? Well, <laughs> um, it, it's more that like I like love that competitive aspect of this game like i don't like you know getting good results is fun but that that's not really what i chase like it's it's that um just kind of in-depth like thought challenge that this competitive game brings the discipline um, of it know, is, is with really that, interesting. that list building and like on the table you know getting to play against great opponents um and just you know having these these great head-to-head duels like it's incredibly fun um and like it, yeah I, I just can't get enough of it and like I, I think like x-wing is kind of a perfect game for that like lends itself really well as a competitive managers game like it's hard to find another game that like navigates that that competitive aspect so well like i like a lot of games but like x-wing is like the game that I really enjoy playing competitively. It's it's really a game at the crossroads of being interesting as a competitive game, but also remaining still accessible. Like the investment right. and the time you can put into it and get, to get some results isn't as huge as a lot of other competitive games, which is great. Um, I also think starting out, like I didn't think there was like that much to this game. I was like, I think I know <laughs> most of it. Like I, I and, and like, it's crazy to think like it's been what, like, eight or so years i I lost track it was like how long this game's out like i i'm still learning more about this game like there's still more to learn and i think that's amazing i mean like we've been making five years worth of podcasts and like you think okay we we've probably said it all at some point right but it's like like the more we do this the more we realize there's just more 
uh, to analyze and, and look at here with this game. I can remember those early days, Carson, where we were, um, you know, a few months into making the podcast and we were struggling to come up with topics because we're like, man, I feel like we've we've already talked about, you know, all the things that we'd want to talk about the podcast. And it was kind of at that point we discovered that, no, you just you have to just keep diving more diving deeper and getting more specific about things and we found that there's really just kind of an endless treasure trove of content to be pursued where now we have more topic ideas than we could ever cover you know in the whole you know in 250 more episodes that's the real reason you guys added me as the third host it was just for content ideas that's it All right, well, you've listened to us uh, talk about ourselves here for a good amount of time. I want to thank you, and we on the podcast want to thank all of you listeners over the years. Um, a lot of you maybe have started listening in the last couple years. A lot of you have been with us from the start. But um, the reason we keep doing this and a huge part of uh, what makes it enjoyable is that we know people enjoy the stuff we're putting out and the content we do every week. And um, really, it does mean a lot. Anytime I get you know feedback from someone at an event or we get a review on iTunes or anything like that, um, those mean, I think, a lot more than people realize to to see that people are enjoying our content and um, taking the time to pass that feedback on to us. Well, and y'all are also pretty funny. Like, <laughs> those reviews are hilarious a lot of the times. <laughs> I, and I can almost guarantee you, too, and this is just not a way for me to shill to get more uh, reviews on iTunes. Anytime at this point a review gets posted on iTunes, it's definitely getting screenshotted and shared because they're always great. You know, in some capacity, whether someone says something hilarious or they just uh, have some very nice things to say about the show. I've read every single review on iTunes, I promise you, and I think you guys have, too, at this point. There are just as many haha reacts as there are heart reacts to those <laughs> those comments. So just a huge thank you, everyone, for continuing to listen and support the show. And here's hoping we can hit that uh, next benchmark of 300 episodes. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to Facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Please consider going on iTunes and leaving the podcast a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. We do read them and we appreciate them very much. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio TCX and become a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. And thank you to everyone who's already supported the show. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Next week.